Hello, and welcome back to Do Less with John and Jeff. Um, it's been a while. Uh, we took a break. John and I thought we were doing too much, and it would be healthy for us to just take take a breather, do a little bit less for once, um, take some of our own advice, uh, and we're back at it now. <laughs> yeah, we took a bit of a break for the Christmas and New Year holidays, um, but feedback from you guys says you want us to be doing more podcasts that is which means you haven't learned anything <laughs> you're not listening closely enough <laughs> um yeah but we might have been able to get a podcast up uh a week ago when me and john were actually in the same room <laughs> hanging out usually we do this over skype uh that's a free ad for skype thank you very much um, yeah. <laughs> and, but we were actually in the same room hanging out, and we didn't record one. And and why didn't we do that? Because that would be doing uh, too much, wouldn't it? That would be too obvious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Down way too much. Um, yeah, but... But we're back. Um, new year, and we got new beef... With the government doing too much. This time it's a state government, though. Not, we always complain about the federal government, so we got to give some love to some state government, too. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, New Year, old me, as proclaimed by the California state government, <laughs> um, <laughs> who proceeds to do more of uh, doing more. They're doing more, doing more. So uh, this year... They are introducing legislation um, that, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us about the, uh, the new California legislation that affects companies like Uber and Lyft. Yeah, uh, so California introduced uh, a new bill and they passed it and it takes effect January 1st, so by the time we're recording this, it, it's already taken a hold. And essentially the point of the law is to reclassify what can be considered an independent contractor. Um, and the reason they're doing this essentially is to get more people under uh, employee protections. Um, that's, that's like the spirit of the law. That's the point of it. Uh, and we're going to talk about the actual effects and ramifications of the bill, not just the intentions of it. Because at the end of the day, intentions don't really matter. What matters is results. Uh, if you go into work and you tell your boss, hey, I intended to have this project done, but it's not done. He's going to say, hey, I intended to keep letting you have your job, but... Now I'm gonna fire you. So <laughs> intentions don't mean shit. All right, that's not what matters. Um, all right. And so, uh, just a little bit about California. California, they're just like very. Uh, I don't. I'm not gonna say the word radical, but they they really are doing a lot more Pro progressive. They're yeah, progressive. But they're doing a lot more with their legislation than anyone else. Um, and so I used to work in the lighting industry and I remember 
we had to basically have a whole separate um, portfolio for California because they had all these different um, specs that you meet, had to meet to put like your lights in California. Um, and it basically, everything had to be like higher end. It had to be more efficient, more this, more that, and more expensive so you could sell them. And again, you know, maybe, not to say that it's like necessarily a bad thing to, um, I guess the goal of it was to try to fight climate change um, in having more energy efficient lighting. But the reason I know, this is just a personal anecdote, the reason I know they're just, they're not really thinking about what they're doing and they're just doing stuff is so there's like a few things you can categorize a light by. It's like you have like the energy efficiency, right? It's how much light does it put out per watt is like a unit of power that it consumes. So the more light it puts out per uh, watt, the more energy efficient it is. So they, they want that number to be high. Okay. And then there's like other metrics you can put on it and it's like, the higher it is, the more energy efficient it is. So again, the higher the number, the better it is for the environment. Now, there's one number that basically qualifies the quality of the light called CRI. The higher this number goes, actually the less energy efficient the light is. So it's actually worse for the environment. They had minimums on this category of lighting as well. They said it has to be a minimum of this, uh, you know, lumens per watt, that's the energy efficiency. It has to be a minimum of this, it has to have minimum CRI. So like, they just pretty much looked at lighting and they're like, yeah, just, we want everything to be maximum as possible. They didn't really think about it, like, and its impact on the environment. They're just like, yeah, oh yeah, dude, uh, our, our lights, they gotta be better in, in every way, better. And it's like, okay, but actually this one is worse for the environment. And they didn't even really think about that. So I just feel like, I don't know, this bill is no different. They didn't really think it through what's going to happen. They just, they're like, okay, this feels good, so let's go with it. Yeah, it's that's an interesting anecdote to share. Um, and it makes me think that um, it really goes to show that when we think about the law, when we think about the government, we tend to think of it as like this superior, the superior like being, the superior force for good that's making our lives better. But then you hear stories like that and you re you're forced to remember that these are just people like you and me, like they're just <laughs> doing their job. You know, their, their job is to vote on bills, you know, pass legislation. And they have a limited, you know, they operate just the same way as, same way as anyone doing their job. They have a limited time to make the decision. You know, they have limited resources and knowledge. Um, and sometimes you just have to go with your gut. <laughs> you know, in, th in this case, someone was just like yeah we want to make maximize lighting per watt maximize light period and then they just voted that in so it's like <laughs> that was just a human making a a decision the same way anyone would make at their job right. uh, and the reality is like they didn't under fully understand it they just voted on it and that goes for any law like you you're not they're not going to fully understand every single thing they vote on because they don't actually work in it themselves and they're not experts yeah right. they're not they're not even if they had phds come in and tell them they still there's still a layer of obfuscation right. that they would have to be operating underneath 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so back to this bill, AB5, um, I, I think that it's similar to the, the bill that you were talking about, about the lighting standards. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an inherent, there's an inherent motive there that's good. Like, I'll agree with it. Like, do I want lighting to be efficient mm-hmm. in our country, like in a modern society? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome. Do I want um, independent contractors to be classified in a way that do I want to do I want Uber drivers to be classified in a way that uh, makes them the most you know makes them the happiest makes them the the best off that they can be sure I do mm-hmm. right anyone who has goodwill who wants goodwill uh, for others would agree with that the difference is though what where you apply the force of the law where do you apply legislation and where do you deem that the government should be the one coming in and saying this is right or wrong. So um, to be a little bit more specific about this law, AB5 uh, is the law that will recharacterize independent contractors, as I mentioned, um, for companies such as Uber and Lyft, ride-sharing companies. Mm -hmm. Their drivers currently are categorized as independent contractors, which has a whole slew of tax implications. Um, just yeah, just whole a whole bunch of r- business r- ramifications in general, where the company has to provide less for the the independent contractor, and the un- independent contractor has a degree of freedom that exists beyond what a employee would have. Um, mm-hmm. So Uber and Lyft have operated under this pretense since their inception. That's actually one of the one of the the factors that spurred the gig economy as we know it today uh, Uber and Lyft specifically kind of formalized what a gig economy worker is someone who is not beholden to the will of the employer but who can operate under a uh, app operate on within an app operate under a operating uh, platform that the company provides as an independent contractor to uh, to in, invite a degree of freedom for themselves. And this bill changes that. Uh, Jeff, do you want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah, so essentially now uh, the burden of proof will now lie on employers to prove that whoever that is they're paying. So again, when the burden of proof lying on the employers, that means they have to basically expend the cost to prove that each employee is in fact an independent contractor. So it it's not on the state to prove that this business relationship is not what they say it is. It's now the burden of proof now lies on each employer to basically get the category that they want. So this basically allows the state to uh, assume whatever it is they want to assume about any uh, business relationship until the business can prove it otherwise, which is very, it seems like a subtle distinction, but it's actually very important um, because essentially uh, like litigation costs are a cost of uh, like doing business, right? And so if you have to basically prove that certain employees are a certain way, knowing that that's going to be a cost you're going to have to factor in 
and it may not even be worth it even if they do meet the qualifications that you want them to meet it may not actually even be worth it to prove they are because it's there's an expense in proving that they are and so um essentially what you have to do to prove that a worker is an independent contractor you say there's these three stipulations the worker is free from control and direction in their hire of connection and performance of the work which you know kind of makes sense like if you hire a contractor to work on your house you're not really telling them what to do because you don't really <laughs> you probably don't even know what they're supposed to do like they probably know way better than you do and so them being free from control and direction is a reasonable way to define independent contractor that's part of it the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business now this is interesting i don't like for let's say you hire a maid to clean your house and that's like once uh let's say you do it once every month you know that's business as usual for them and they're probably not necessarily free from control and direction you could probably like be like oh yeah don't clean the bathroom or you know make sure you do this or whatever you could probably offer some direction with what you want from them and then the last one is the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade okay so this this would basically guarantee that they're not a maid would not be considered an employee but the first two of those would so yeah like but an, an uber trade. driver it's not as uber driver is not as straightforward in fact the uber driver would not um fall under those three right they would ha they would have none of those right exactly now you could say that Oh no, all three of these must be met for it to be independent contractor. So if any of these is broken, it doesn't work. Oh, I gotcha. They have to meet all three. Right. And so, yeah, like even like seems like hiring like a maid to clean your house would violate certain things. I don't think it right. in effect will, if I'm being honest. But like right. Again, this is the this is the problem. You're opening up in a can a can of worms here, uh, in terms of like, you know, you're basically your maid could sue you because you're not giving them certain things or whatever. If because apparently you know she's your employee or he's your employee, or whatever, you know, like just little things like this are now open. But and Uber and Lyft are really right. the big ones that they're going after. Right. Um, so yeah, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back and. And just kind of like, so this bill came about um, by some California uh, politician whose name I have, but it's not important. Um, this bill came about, it, the philosophy is that Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, right, they're not actually independent contractors. They're employees of Uber. Mm -hmm. Uber create, created this business, right? The creators of Uber create a business. Mm -hmm. That is ride a ride service, and to perform this ride service, they need people to drive cars from A to B, holding passengers. Um, 
Now, Uber holds, as I said, Uber has held since the inception of this business model that the drivers are independent contractors, that they're just working with Uber. Uber's business is actually just the platform. Mm-hmm. They offer the platform and the driver themselves is taking upon themselves to become a contractor to, within that within the realm of that platform. Mm-hmm. But the politicians in California think that that's actually taking advantage of the of the drivers. If you're driving for Uber or Lyft, they're saying you're not be, you're not receiving the benefits, which are literally ben, like paid benefits uh, as a, a, an employee that that an employee would receive. If you're a, a full-time employee of a company, you get health insurance and you get uh, you know, c- certain really uh, kind of technical things like the the business pays half of your social security tax, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, is n- does not does not apply to an independent contractor. When you're not an employee of the business, those benefits uh, do not apply. So the California law- lawmakers sat sat around and said, "Well, these Uber drivers, some of them are working full time. They're you know they're working more than full time. They're breaking their backs trying to deliver." these passengers where they need to be and they're doing a good job, they should be employees. They should be given those benefits, mm-hmm. right? So that's where the, the kind of philosophy is. Like right. these California lawmakers, right, the California lawmakers are upset that the, the drivers do not receive the benefits that an employee would receive. Labeling them as an independent contractor, the California lawmakers think that that is just a, a way to skirt the legal system, the tax system. It's kind of like fraudulent, you know. That's why this more precise law came about. They're like, we're going to specifically characterize these drivers. Mm-hmm. Unless you can tell me that they do not account, they do not fulfill these three stipulations, they are an employee. Right. So it's making it very much hard. It's very hard for Uber to... to to maintain their business model of we're just providing a platform, they're the independent contractor. Right. Now the California lawmaker is saying, no, you're actually a business and they're your employee. Right. And so to be clear here though, Uber and Lyft do not plan on following this bill because the reality is they can't. Um, so either base, basically right now, if they were to comply with the bill, Uber and Lyft would basically have to stop providing their service in California uh, until they could figure out some way to make it work. But as it stands right now, it's unworkable for them. And so (laughs) their plan is basically to just not follow the the bill and then just fight them in court. That's really what they're going to do is fight California in court. Yeah, Uber Uber and Postmates, which is another kind of delivery service uh for food though um have filed a lawsuit against the california government where they are seeking an injunction which means that they're still allowed to operate um under their old you know working conditions uh for the time being until like the the suit is decided upon uh by a judge but yeah so basically in the meantime as we said this law has taken effect this is a law of the land in California, but these companies that are operating cannot operate within that law and are not doing so. Right. And <laughs> something that's pretty ironic was uh, Vox 
which is like a new or media <laughs> website, they came out with this article saying, wow, like, this is really a victor, victory for workers everywhere. Okay. And then in compliance with the law, they fired hundreds of freelance writers in California uh, to make sure they could comply with the law. Because the reality is, so if you're like a freelance writer, right, you might write an article that you think is interesting and then you'll sell, you'll try to sell it to someone like Vox and say, hey, Vox, I wrote this article. Like, isn't this great? And they'll be like, yeah, that's good. We'll pay you for it. And so basically Vox has an established platform with an audience. So if you were just trying to write articles on your own, you know, you probably couldn't really get any money for that. But if you sell them to Vox, Vox has an audience, they, they value your skills. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. And so, you know, however many articles you can sell to Vox, that's a net benefit for you. It's a net benefit for them. But now suddenly, if you have to be treated like an employee of Vox for writing them articles on occasion, you know, with no basic like consistency, uh, Vox would then have to like provide you health insurance and all these other things. And that it's suddenly not worth it for Vox. What was mutually beneficial for both of you is now no longer. And so that arrangement ceases to exist. So they fired him. And I don't think the intention of this bill was to have people lose their jobs. Like that, that, why would that, why would that be the intention of the bill? Unless, you know, like if there's some sort of like taxi lobby or something, that really just wanted to put Uber and Lyft out of business, then that would actually be like a cynical reason they might have wanted to, like the bill could be created. But I really mm. think the intention of the bill was to like, they looked at it like Uber and Lyft were basically extorting or stealing from their employees by using a loophole in the system to abuse their employees. And then now... Not employees. Yeah, not employees, exactly. But really, they are. And then this bill is going to force them to categorize them as such and give those employees what they're owed. But again, th this, this philosophy that I don't think is just, you know, it's not just California that thinks this way. I think there's a lot of people today that think this way, that employers basically have all the power in the world. And they can just set all the conditions and they get whatever they want no matter what. And we just have to, you know, take what we can get as employees. And that's, and that's the way it goes. They don't, people don't look at employee, employer as a mutual be beneficial, like a symbiotic relationship. And I think I'd like to actually get into, you know, a, a deeper philosophy here than really the details of this law. Because I think at the heart of this bill is a fundamental misunderstanding of what, an employee, uh, an employment contract really represents. Um, and so I think their intention was, okay, Uber and Lyft have been abusing a loophole. We're going to pass this bill. It's going to close that loophole and the employees are going to get what they deserve. But if you understand actually what was happening in these employment contracts is you'll see that this is, that is not at all going to be the result of this, this legislature. In fact, Anyone who is going to comply with this bill is basically going to fire anyone who's going to, who was previously considered an independent contractor. And now right. they, like, they're just not going to, it's not worth it. 
Yeah, I'll sp before we yeah take a step back, the last thing I'll say is specifically about this, uh, uh, specifically about like Uber and Lyft. Uber and Lyft teamed up and, and penned a open letter about you know regarding AB five, and they're basically saying don't <laughs> don't do this if you like Uber or if you drive for Uber, do not support this bill, mm -hmm. right? Because it will fundamentally restructure the app that works well. Like it's a, it's a, a business that, I mean, we can get into later about uh, the fact that it's not profitable, but mm. it's a good service. Like, I don't think anyone would say like, oh, I don't like a more convenient <laughs> app to, than a taxi service. Like it's really convenient. Like that level of convenience could not exist um, before what Uber and Lyft did. They really revolutionized this market. They came together and they said, if we have to categorize our drivers as employees, the service will look a lot different than having this widespread availability of drivers picking you up. Mm -hmm. It's gonna have to be drivers and there's gonna be managers that make sure the drivers are driving on <laughs> their, their like scheduled times that they right. were given, like they were, they were uh, demanded to drive a certain number of hours at a predetermined time. So there's a there's now scheduling. There's now uh, trade-offs that did not exist before. Like before, if you wanted to drive for Uber in a suburb outside of the city, you could do that. You could turn on the app and see if anyone. Oh, someone's going to the airport at 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, going coming back from the airport at 3 a.m. and uh, you know you turn on the app and you get that ride. Well, now it's going to be there won't be drivers out in the <laughs> suburb because. That's not profitable. Like they they have to predetermine where the most profitable areas are. Like basically that surging uh, function that we all know, when you have to pay more when there's a lot of demand for an Uber in the area you, you currently are, they would basically just have to abide in those surging surging zones and just staff drivers in those areas to make sure that when they do, when they command an hour that needs to be driven by a future employee of Uber that they're gonna get a return on that. You don't want to command a driver to go sit in an area and just sit there for you know 12 hours and not do any rides. Uh, the previous benefit of having drivers turn on the app at their expense, you know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna turn on the app, see what I can get. Uh, and if I don't get anything, I'm gonna you know leave. That has to be predetermined by, by managers and by a whole uh, staffing department managerial department so that overhead not to mention all those tax advantages that or previous tax advantages that would now become tax burdens to uber and lyft uh that's a, a material cost as well so uber and lyft has basically said you if you like the service how it exists today you are doing it yourself a disservice by voting for this bill it's going to look completely different if we have to operate under these this new uh this new legislation right and like if you think about cost of living in places like california and new york which is actually similar to california in a lot of ways with their uh legislation the cost of living in these places is the highest like these are these are places that actually are huge burdens on people who don't earn enough money and like this this is a perfect example of why these places are so expensive to live in um it's because all those costs, if Uber and Lyft is going to be able to provide their service in the in California, it's going to be a lot more expensive to the consumer. It's, those prices are going to be way higher to be able to fall all these things 
And honestly, I think Uber and Lyft may, if they lose this lawsuit, they may end up just not even <laughs> doing business in California. Like, right. Because it, it, it may be way more easy for a new company to basically build their business model around the legislation knowing that it exists, start up from nothing, and then make it work already, rather than Uber and Lyft basically having to branch off their business entirely, figure out how to make it work. For like, They may just say it's not worth it and just actually abandon California altogether. And so like... Right. Now that, say leave, it, leave them to the taxis. Right. And so then <laughs> all those startup costs are going to go into the, the new abs venture. There's such a huge loss of efficiency by, by doing something like this. And, and, and who is it for, really, right? The number of Uber drivers that actually do Uber full-time is around 10% of its driver base. Only, basically, 90% of the people that drive Uber do other things, too. Uber is not their main source of income. And so you're basically targeting 10% of their driver base. Um, and you're basically making the rest of the people that drive for them comply in accordance with it. And so, like, why? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. Like, uh, all those people who enjoyed, you know, okay, just being able to make a little bit of extra cash, like, I mean, on the weekend, if you're not just partying your ass off, instead you're like, ah, oh, why don't I do something productive and actually earn a little money instead of spending it all at a bar, that now suddenly is not going to be possible for you. Right. Yeah, you know, You're either going to have to be a full-time <laughs> Uber employee in California or right. not, not at all. Yeah, what's the first thing? Like, so you've the the listener, to, whoever's listening to this, you've probably you probably know someone, you or you yourself have driven um, Uber. I've I know people that have driven Uber uh, that are very close to me. And what's the first thing they all say when you ask them, "What do you like about?" It? Oh, I get to set my own hours. <laughs> That's you know, <laughs> yeah. I I I didn't I didn't like working for my boss, or it was awesome. Like I got to leave my leave my job and I at nights or during nights when I would have just went home and watched TV, I was able to go turn on my app and make money. Like that to me was so liberating, that freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just going to go away right. according to Uber. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. They're not considering all those benefits, right? They're like, they're seeing the things that other employees are privy to and they're like, oh, we want that for Uber. But it comes with trade-offs. Employees don't have access to all those other things that they're not considering. It's like everything in the end has trade-offs. And, the reality is people were making that decision for themselves. They said, okay, Uber is more attractive because I can do all these things for myself even though I lose access to these other things. And they made that choice for themselves because that was their the best possible decision they wanted to make. And then now California's coming in and said, nope, you chose wrong, we'll choose for you. This is like if you went out to a restaurant with your friends, right? And you're like, all right guys, let's all just order what we want and then we'll split the the check uh, according to whatever we each get, right? We'll all pay for ourselves, right? We'll split the check for ourselves, okay? That's pretty much a win-win scenario. You get whatever you want and you pay for what you got, right? Uh, and then people go, you know, no, I don't like that. We're gonna we're gonna all vote on the dish we're gonna get, and then we're gonna split that dish 
family style. Like now suddenly whoever just wins that majority gets what they want and whoever loses, you know, doesn't get to eat what they want. So like that's like kind of what it democracy has to pay for is. It. <clears throat> is like you should reserve democracy for things that can't be figured out privately. Like but there are some things like how you intru- how you choose to work that you should be able to determine on your own. You shouldn't have to vote for that. Like you know, like in the dinner example, you shouldn't have to vote on dinner. Like that's not something you need to right. vote on. So and when you do, there's winners and losers. If your thing got picked, you know, you won. But if your thing didn't, if you got voted against, you just lose in that scenario when you didn't need to. Yeah, so and so so specific to this example, um, <clears throat> the the winners will become well, actually I don't want to say it that way. Specific to this example, uh what's what's the actual what's the actual solution how does it come about uh these people are upset because they're not getting paid enough some uber drivers are upset right mm-hmm. there there is there is uh there is incentive for some uber drivers to go on strike and say we're, we're not gonna drive unless we get higher wages mm-hmm. you know more equal wages which is really what the call to this bill was mm-hmm. the, you know that oh i'm working this hard i should be getting paid more mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. I agree with you. I want you to get paid more for this service that I appreciate, but I'm not going to vote for it. <laughs> right. Right? I'm not going to vote with my ballot. I'm not going to vote with government force for it because then I know what Jeff was just saying. There will be winners and there will be losers, and I don't want to pick losers. Mm-hmm. You know, I might, I might want to pick winners, but I know that I'll be also picking losers, which I don't want to pick losers. So what should happen is that if you don't want to drive for Uber, then you don't drive for Uber. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's that simple. It, no one's forcing you to drive for Uber. That's mm. the key. If that was your job, that was the only thing you could get for, to, a, to a sufficient degree, um, and you could prove that, then I would probably have some sympathy for you. I would say, yeah, that's a pretty unjust environment. But we have an economy where em- unemployment is so low, it's not like jobs are scarce, mm-hmm. right? So these people that are saying that they're being paid an unfair wage, well, what happens is if those people say, if those people don't tell anybody but themselves, hey, I don't want to, it's not worth it to me to, to drive for Uber. Well, that's a clear, that's a logical statement with a clear logical <laughs> uh, solution. I'm not going to drive for Uber. If I don't think it's worth it for me to drive for Uber, then I'm not going to drive for Uber. Right. People forget that that's the, the logical next step. The logical next step isn't, oh, I'm going to go cry to the government. <laughs> I'm going to cry to Big Brother to, to step in and make it fair for me. If I just am able to say to myself, it's just not fair for me. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to find something else. Well, then there's going to be less drivers <laughs> that right. get a higher wage. The wage will be forced up naturally based on the supply and demand of the market. Right. That's the true, simple, elegant, no loser s- scenario. Right. Because everyone's operating under the wet, uh, the conditions that they deem will they will succeed. Right. And so, again, this, this is where I wanted to go w- with this conversation in terms of, like, fundamentally, right. you know, what is employment and, and why, why this... Bill just fundamentally misunderstands it, um, and 
again, they're like they're making this distinction between independent contractors and employees. But as far as I'm concerned, in like a healthy economy, there would be no there'd be zero distinction between these two. There would be no reason to distinguish these two. Because at the end of the day, you know, if 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 I have to move out and I ask my friend to help me move out and he goes, "Dude, honestly, I like I know we're friends, but that's just like sounds like a real pain in the ass. I don't I don't really want to do it." <laughs> and you go, "All right, what if I, you know, I buy you a pizza?" And he's like, "Uh, I don't know. I still And then okay, you're like, "All right, I'll throw in some beer." And he's like, "All right, I'll help you out." Okay? <laughs> like that's employment. Jeff, now you're describing me. <laughs> 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 right. It's but like at the end of the day, that's in spirit is no different from getting a job. Like at the end of the day, you are you need a service. Okay? And you want that service from someone. And you have to negotiate with that person until you give them that they deem higher value than what they're giving you. In both sides, both people are getting something they want. It's possible to have a situation where two people exchange something and they both walk away winners, right? And by definition, if you have freedom and two people decide to make a trade, as long as one's not lying to the other one, right? As long as like information flow is transparent, by definition, those two things must at least be equal or higher value to that person in order for that trade to happen, right? John's not going to help me move unless, you know, whatever it is I'm offering to him, he seems, uh, he deems of equal or higher value than what he's offering to me. And so we both walk away winning, okay? And this is, is no different than any other employment arrangement, right? So for, you know, if you're a software engineer, okay, this is a little bit more complicated than helping someone move your friend move, right? It's a, you don't, this is a stranger employing you, but at the end of the day, they're saying, okay, here's this platform that I need you to write code for. Cause I myself am either too preoccupied doing something else or don't know how to do it myself. So I need your skills on this project and I will pay you this much. And then you can go, no, that's not enough. Right? That is not acceptable to me. This compensation package that you've given, the benefits, everything, I've calculated it all, I believe my time to be more worth, worth more than that. And now they can say, okay, we'll give you more money. Or they can say, no, we'll find someone else. Right? So until you both are like, okay, that's enough money. And they're like, okay, you know, you seem like a qualified enough candidate. Until both parties are happy that contract's not going to be formed. So this is what we like to call a positive sum. When both parties have come to an agreement, that's positive sum. They're both getting something that they wanted out of the deal. So they're both happy. Okay? Now, yes, it's specifically for positive sum, it's both or the the net of both parties after is greater than the net than they had before. Exactly. So that's why they call it like positive sum. If you add both their Utility is like something like economists like to say, like utility or, you know, you call it anything, you call it value or just, you know, yeah, you call it right. anything, right? Because it doesn't really make sense to calculate everything in dollars necessarily. So, but at the end of the day, the value that each party, if you add it up together, 
it's greater than the value of each party separate. So it's a positive sum. Now, essentially what this bill assumes, I think, in my opinion, what this bill incorrectly assumes is that employment is a zero sum game. That basically, if you add the value of both parties before employment and after, it's the same. So it's mm. either going to one or the other, right? And so they basically assumed Uber got the better end of the negotiation and that they were just extracting value from um, their employees or not employees based on how they classify them. And so that they, they're saying, okay, so let's make a bill to shift more of that value back to the um, employee, right? And, and so they're like, it's a zero sum game and, and Uber is getting the lion's share of that sum. But the reality is those arrangements would never have occurred if they were zero sum. Uh, people liked the, the benefit or the package that Uber was offering. And so they chose to drive for them and this made Uber money. So this was satisfactory to Uber as well. And so both parties are winning and then California decided there's too much winning. We got to, we got to do, we must do something. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if it truly was the Uber drivers, every mile they drove was the, was, you know, Uber as a business benefit, and the Uber driver defeat or detract the Uber driver, the driver is detracted from, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, it's like, well, that something's get, well, like, why is that driver being forced to lose value every mile they drive? Why, why are they being forced to do that? Well, if you look at it truly and you realize they're not being forced to do it, they're getting paid to do it. Right. And they're willingly turning on their app. Every time they turn on their app, it's their decision to do it. Then they've, obviously have some perceived gain from that. Mm-hmm. If they're perceiving gain and the app is staying on, the Uber business is perceiving gain, then why would you meddle with that? Two right. parties are happy. Two parties continue to engage and do business and the whole economy, the whole society is better off for it. Why would you change that? Why would you tip the scales either way? Because if one party has the option to leave and is not doing it, then it's up to that party to leave. It's not up to a third party to come in and regulate uh, what should be the next steps. Right, and so, and again, this this sort of plays into, uh, you know, what what does government actually do, right? So what would California do here? What are they actually bringing to the table? And this, this is what they're bringing to the table, okay? So they believe Uber's doing something naughty, okay? So they say, they introduced this bill. They say, okay, Uber, now you gotta comply with this bill. What does that mean, okay? Well, so if Uber they, they ha- now has a choice, they can comply with the law and change, restructure, and do business in California in accordance to the law. Or they can do what they did and say, no, they're not gonna do it. That's what they did. They're not gonna follow the bill, okay? So now what does California do? They're not following the rule. Okay. Well, if they, if California just goes, okay, well then government 
basically ceases to exist at that point. If people realize that they don't have to listen to the government, that's bad news for the government. Because now, suddenly people won't pay their taxes, whatever. Like, the only way to uh, get have bills to have any meaning is through enforcement. So California now has to basically enforce this bill. And how, what do they do? They're going to, you know, sue Uber and try to have the courts essentially penalize them with money. But, and again, we, we can go deeper here. What if Uber then says, you know what, I, I, this lawsuit was garbage. We're not paying you that money. You, you're suing us, but we're not, we're not going to actually move that money out of our bank accounts. Okay. Well, what are they going to do? Okay. Eventually it gets to the point where someone needs to show up with a gun to someone's head and say, you got to do this or else. <laughs> and even then you still have a choice to be like, no, I'm not doing that. And then they're going to say, okay, we're going to put you in a cage. And you're saying, no, you're not taking me there. They'll kill you. Okay? That's, that's the, at the heart of what government does. <laughs> like, you must realize, like, you have to take this journey down to, like, essentially how does the government actually work. You got to realize, you, like, we don't normally take things to that far, right? It's rare that people will actually be willing to die to, like, resist the government. But people will go to prison, right? Some people don't pay their taxes and they go to prison for tax avoidance, right? And so that's part of the enforcement that the government does. They, they, the way they get done what they need to get done is through force, okay? This is what the government is. It's an instrument of force. So I think it's really important to ask ourselves before we sign any law or do any legislation, we should always consider, okay, is this a problem that requires brute force as a solution? Because that's how government solves problems, through brute force. And so if you have this law where you're saying, oh, you know, Uber's not, not doing what we would like. You know, they're not really treating the drivers the way we would want to. Would you really think that's a problem that's worth threatening people with violence to get them to change i'd like i would be astonished if anyone would actually be willing to hold the gun themselves to say i don't like your employment <laughs> arrangements you know you better do what i say or else like that seems like an excessive use of force right yeah um yeah just to i guess kind of to reanalyze that so what he's saying is absolutely correct the reason that it may seem a little bit kind of strange it's only because it's not common right right if a business doesn't operate underneath the government's uh the government's rule how the government dictates legislation then that business the or the business business is usually obliged right mm -hmm. it's, it's not too common when a whole business will will take the letter of the law and just go completely against it. And this and in this case, it's probably not going to be any different. If if this AB five uh, law really does come into play, and the and the Uber is on the hook for penalties for every ride they deliver um, without operating under this law, then 
it can be it's really easy to see what would happen uber would just go out of business mm -hmm. or stop operating in california um that's the that's very likely what would happen but what jeff is imagining is a world where uber says sorry we're going to keep operating <laughs> and you're wrong uh and I'm not going to listen to you, even though you've dictated this legislation. Uh, that's, that's what would happen. There would be massive, massive penalties that would accrue against Uber. They would face a large, large uh, fines uh, to the point where it's easy to, to imagine the CEO would have a, you know, critical, uh, a criminal indictment against him. Mm -hmm. y you know, uh, unlawful businesses... Are, will be met with force by the police, by SWAT teams, you can imagine. Right. So uh, that's where that's where that would go in, in this little thought experiment. If Uber says, sorry, you're wrong, we're going to keep operating, then that's where, the, that, that's where it would head. There would be eventual people with guns, police officers, would show up and arrest uh, whoever is the commander of that business. Um, so it seems a little bit crazy to imagine this depiction of government as this as force uh as the impersonation of force but that is it's not hard to imagine once you really think about logistically what would happen if uber operated incorrectly according to the the california government it's easy to imagine that scenario where people would get arrested people would get put into jail uh and all over what people deem was <laughs> the moral right way to act to operate that business mm -hmm. um which in my opinion that's that takes a tremendous amount of hubris um to be awarded the the use of that force to be it, to be put into into the government to to win a government role is to be awarded the manipulation of that force of how that force is used the force of the government is yours at your disposal um, so if you are satisfied with going into a business and saying you're operating correctly, and you know what, I have, <laughs> I have force on my side. Mm -hmm. I have a tremendous amount of force. To say that I'm right and you're wrong and I've never even run a business in <laughs> the case of most politicians, I actually can't even qualify that. No, I, don't, I don't know if it's most. It is true. You think it's yeah, true? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So these politicians who don't necessarily have that, it's one thing if they have, like, oh, I ran a rideshare company. Right. And, you, you know, I was tempted the same way you were tempted, but I made the right decision. So I'm comfortable bringing force upon you. <laughs> but that's not the case. It's right. the, I, like it's so far from that. It's I have this moral standard that I'm operating underneath mm -hmm. and I'm bringing down the ultimate force upon you to, to follow my way of operation when you when i've never been in your shoes right yeah it i agree with you that that's that's just like it seems arrogant to like be able to say you know to a business that you have essentially no understanding of the ins and outs of either being an employee of that business uh you know i'm sure some of the people that voted on this are neither an employee of the business an employer, or even a consumer of it. There's probably some people who don't even use it that often who voted on this. Right. And so, like, to be none of those three and to stick your head in and just say, I don't like how any of this is being done and you got to change what you're doing or else is, like, an incredibly arrogant position to take, in my opinion. And that's, that's what really uh, 
again, this is the spirit of this podcast. Our argument is not that we know better. We don't. Our argument is that we don't know enough, so let's not do anything. <laughs> you know, before this bill existed, Uber was free to run their business the way they saw fit. Barring all the other regulations that are on every single business in this country. But as far as this stipulation, they're free to operate the way they chose. And the drivers were free to accept that deal or not. Like, it's as if people forgot Uber didn't exist not that long ago. So, yeah, like, right. you know, we, this is has been a positive development in in society to have uber is great there's probably there's probably people who can make money driving people that or i mean i know for sure there's people who can make money driving people that would not have been able to do so before uber existed right so there is value for people to gain through uber like uber has added to the total amount of value in society and now you could basically make, you know, this, if this legislation was nationwide, you could imagine that, you know, Uber just didn't make sense as a business model. So not only would Uber cease to exist, Lyft would cease to exist, and there would never be a rideshare company again. And then we would just be living in a world without Uber. You know what I mean? Like, how is that? Who is that good for? <laughs> right. <laughs> and here's another thing that it's so the there's the positive sum aspect and there's also uh the aspect of competition right and so if you have freedom you also have competition people are free to compete with one another and so if i'm uber and i'm giving someone a raw deal lyft can come in and steal my drivers if they can offer their dri their drivers a better payment package they can steal the drivers and they do they both steal from, try to steal their drivers from each other, and then they can steal the consume from their consumer base, right? So that's competition within a market. Is it's I'm not gonna say it's zero sum. It's essentially zero sum for the competitors, but it's positive sum for society in the sense that it improves like the services for everyone. It forces those companies to get better uh, as they race to provide the best possible uh service so that they can gain as much market share but at the time they're sort of i mean i guess the, the the size of the market can grow as they get better and better and that's positive some but you know as they compete with one another like if if ubers really take advantage of its drivers you have lyft that can pay them better and take the market share and make more money or you could even have a if both of them then form a cartel and say Oh yeah, we got the whole market. We can really just do whatever we want. It's not that hard to make an app, especially now that someone else has done it. You can figure it out uh, and do it pretty easily. If they were sufficiently like charging way too much, way too high of prices, someone else could just come in and uh, steal all their business. So it's like there's natural forces at play that keep people in check from just taking advantage from any party. Yeah, and if you don't like it, you don't have to participate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like that's what that's what do less is all about. Is like 
Uh, you know, Uber, I don't want to drive for you. Okay, don't do it. You know, Uber, this right. is too expensive. I'll just walk. Or, right. <laughs> you know, like that. you always have that option. Right. And so really all the government can do is take options away. They can't provide you any new ones. And right. so there's sometimes unless where Unless they're starting a, a venture, unless they're like actually endeavoring right. in the competitive market, which... Does they don't do like Which, they yeah, don't they don't do. they don't do that like the government doesn't start businesses and the reason for that is because they're the government it wouldn't be fair <laughs> right like that's not the role of the government to start businesses uh, so they don't they don't give options they just take them away and you that might seem like it's always bad but it's not there's there's times when it's good to take away options like murder I am glad the government is taking away people's option to murder. <laughs> Like that right. is, that is good. I'm glad they're doing that. But, <laughs> but that's an example of like a good role for government. That's what they're there to do. Um, and they're just, California, I think just really completely misunderstands what government is here to do. And they're just doing way too much. Like if I'm a bystander and I say Uber is not paying their drivers enough. Okay, well do you use Uber? If you do, then you're basically confirming to Uber that you like what they're doing is the right thing because you're basically you're generating profit for Uber. So if you think Uber doesn't pay their employees enough, don't use them. And if enough people come to that conclusion, guess what happens to Uber? They go out of business. And so they're going to have to scratch their heads and go, okay, why are we losing so much customers? And eventually they'll realize it's because people don't like the way they treat their employees. So they're going to have to come to a conclusion and that conclusion will be, okay, we could either pay our employees more and if they can do that and still maintain a profit, they will do that. But if they do that and suddenly, well, they don't make a profit in the first place, but there is an assumption that someday they will. They're, 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 so let's not get too much into the details of that. But at, at the end of the day, Uber's goal is to one day make a profit and the, the, like that's the underlying assumption. Um, and so people may think that the opposition to AB5 would have to be a spokesperson for Uber that say mm-hmm. would come out and say, "Oh, Uber drivers are mm-hmm. paid a fair living wage for their right. services." But right. that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that that's even necessary. We're saying that in fact the spokesperson, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is actually every single driver that shows up and turns on the app they are acting as a spokesperson when they accept the wage and continue to drive on the app for uber they are endorsing uber's pricing and if they didn't want that pricing they would leave the app and it would drive wages up for remaining Uber drivers. Exactly. People vote with their actions every single day. You don't need to vote in government. You vote with your actions, right? Every time you go to a supermarket, you see a million different products you could buy. You buy the one you like. Why do you like it? Maybe it's the cheapest. Maybe it's gluten-free, or maybe it's you just like the, the branding and the marketing. Maybe you like the company's president's politics or whatever. Like, all these things, are free for you to decide you it's completely up to you what you want to get and so 
however you choose to spend your money is going to affect how businesses make decisions because that affects their their bottom line and so but the the at the end of the day what it's important to realize is everyone here is acting freely free is the important word no one has been coerced the 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 businesses were started out of people's own uh, decision to do so and their customers bought from them out of their own choice to do so no one was ever coerced in any of these situations and so for you to say i don't like what's going on we need to introduce some coercion some violence some threatening the onus is on you to make a very compelling argument to bring in the use of force and people just saying you know i don't like how much uber is paying its employees is not a very compelling argument to bring in down the hammer of force and uber saying yeah this would probably put us out of business and maybe it won't maybe they'll figure it out but it's like you don't know that until you <laughs> drop the hammer on them so it's like you know you're taking a big gamble there and for what the reality is if uber uh could pay its employees more it would pay its employees more but businesses have to make a profit or else they won't they'll just close up shop and one of the ways you can grow your market share is by getting all the people and the way you get the people is by paying them more. So like, if I could run a company and pay every one of my employees $20 million, oh man, I could pick whoever I want. I could get any employee I want if I could pay each of them $20 million. I would have so many options to pick from. But the reality is, I can't think of a damn business where I could pay every one of my employees $20 million and walk away with a profit. It's just not gonna work. Like. Businesses want to pay their employees more if they can, because then they can get better people and do a better job. But the reality is they have constraints. They can't just pay out as much as they want and, and get whoever they want. They, like, it doesn't, it's not that easy. Yeah, well said. All right, well, um, anything else to say on the matter? Um, nah, just California. Stop doing so much. Yeah. Just take it easy. You think you think uh, like the culture there, they might be right. doing less, right? Yeah, you're all, right. California so... does have a do less culture. Um, just not when it comes to government. <laughs> yeah, just not when it comes to government. The government's doing the most. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, maybe um, I I have some hope that. The negative ramifications of this bill uh, will have it repealed. I, I think this is one of those that's really poorly thought out. Yeah. Uh, they didn't think this out at all. And yeah. the, the negative ramifications are going to be too great and they're just going to have to repeal it. And uh, again, you know, you know. If we're so smart, what's our solution? Our solution is uh, don't do anything. Don't don't have the bill in the first place. <laughs> you know, our solution is no solution. There was no problem. You're solving a problem that doesn't exist. <laughs> All right. So where are we wrong? Tell us uh, if you disagree. What aren't we thinking? <laughs> you know, if we're not mm -hmm. considering, so if AB five is the best bill that's ever graced the uh, <laughs> California legislature floor, to let us know. Um, but other than that, we'll we'll see you next time. Yeah, uh, thanks for doing less with us. Thanks for doing less. 
see you later.